Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. And you know what? Chris Carter. That's all I need to say. Hands, feet, toe drag swag before it was a swaggy thing. He's coming up today on the Ron Johnson Show, but we're going to talk a little bit too about Justin Jefferson and his relationship with Kirk Cousins. But there's a nexus between those two. Two Attack of Iowa gave me the insight. He went through something this offseason that I think Kirk Cousins is going through as well. Coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And as I brought up, we have to talk about Justin Jefferson. Over 1,200 yards. There's another receiver right there with him, though. Tyreek Hill. What do those two have in common? Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are what they have in common. Quarterbacks that are both going through something and have went through something. Both of them that have a coach that was added to the recipe to make what they're doing right now relevant and able. But before I explain what Kirk Cousins is going through that two attack of Iowa went through. Remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. And you can find all of our Locked On video videos on the Minnesota YouTube channel. But remember, Amazon Fire, Roku, if you have those apps, just go search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Download it. You'll be able to get all the shows, all the content, all the press conferences, all the latest news. You'll get to see our faces. But as I bring in my producer, Sam Ekstrom, Sam, one, I'm excited today because we got Chris Carter. I mean, I grew up watching Chris Carter. I grew up hearing about Chris Carter. I came to Minnesota, and then all of a sudden, I get to watch Chris Carter live. I saw Randy Moss in person here in Minnesota. Um, and so, and I've, and I've sat down with Chris, so I know Chris. Chris has invited me over to Larry Fitzgerald's house. Uh, we, we've sat down and, 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 and had lunch and, and all the fellas hanging out talking and, and the stories. But getting Chris Carter on the show, man, I'm excited about that. But there's something Chris talked about uh, that he and I in passing at the stadium, at games. Justin Jefferson. Where does Justin Jefferson fall in the history of Vikings football? Where does Stefan Diggs fall? Where does Adam Thielen fall? I'm going to let Chris answer that. But here's where I go. I'm going to pay off the tease, people. Tua Tagovailoa made a comment, and he said he had to literally look in the mirror and ask himself, do I suck? And that's the problem, and I, I brought this up about P.J. Fleck yesterday. P.J. Fleck and his comments. I think Twitter sometimes, and just, you get worn down. Like, look at Lamar Jackson. He's tweeting stuff he has to delete because he's so, like, frustrated with people. And that's something that a lot of guys didn't have to deal with. He can't throw, he can't do this, he can't do that. He has have his, he's like, Tyreek Hill, you're going to overrun, you got to outrun him. And I love how Tua fought back as he was dropping bombs. To the media, he would say, you know what? I'm not trying to be petty, but did he did he did he outrun that throw? And then he would be like, But I'm not trying to be petty. And you are, though. Be petty. Be be what Kirk and like enjoy it. And Kirk Cousins, 
is going through something similar. And this is what Tua Tagovailoa said. He said, I had to ask myself, am I trash? And I'd look myself in the mirror and say, do I suck? And he said he went to his coach and said, am I really that bad? Like, what am I bad? Because he really, like he said, he was like mental health. Players forget that. Mental health is real. And what Tua went through was just mentally beat down. Didn't think he could do it. Great, you know, uh, college quarterback, him and Jalen Hurts. And they both struggled early. And now look at them, both of them thriving. Mac Jones too, man. Can the guy recruit? I'm guessing he can. Because Nick Saban got like three NFL quarterbacks that were in his room at the same time. That's crazy. Yeah. And running backs. I mean, you look at the running backs he's gotten too. Derrick Henry and I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Crazy. But this is where I go with this. Kirk Cousins probably was in not as bad of a headspace as Tua because he's older. Tua's younger. But he probably was somewhere like close. Like when you're when you don't feel loved, when you don't feel trusted. Tua said when Mike McDaniel said he had faith in me, I knew I could get it done. Kevin O'Connell has the faith in Kirk Cousins. He's showing Kirk Cousins. And, and so I go with this. With this faith that Kirk Cousins has, and he can't play till, well, maybe he can play till he's 40, but who knows how much longer him and Justin Jefferson have together. And looking at this 1,200 yards and where Justin Jefferson is going to fall in the history, not just the Vikings history, but the NFL history. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be with the Vikings. Chris Carter's 1,400 some yards. I think only 1,300 of that was uh, Vikings or 1,200 of that was Vikings. Randy Moss, same thing. Not all was Vikings. Uh, Jerry Rice, not all was 49ers. Most of it, but not all. Terrell Owens. So for Justin Jefferson, where can he fall? Can he get to number two? Can he get to 15, 1,600 yards in his career? We don't know because Cooper Cup got hurt after his great year. You know, Tyreek Hill climbing now, not with, his guy, Pat Mahomes, but he has a new guy too, and he's still climbing. So we really don't know. But Sam, I'll ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think Justin Jefferson can become the number two receiver in NFL history when you look at the numbers and the confidence that Kevin O'Connell is instilling in him and Kirk Cousins and his team? So Jefferson in yardage would have to get up over 17,000 yards. Jerry Rice is number one by a long shot. Yeah. And then number two is uh, Larry Fitzgerald, yeah, 17,000 plus. Uh, Kirk Cousins said it best, and he said this a couple times about Justin. Mm-hmm. Justin, what you did your rookie year was amazing. Now you just need to do it 10 more times, um, <laughs> and you will be one of the greats. Just keep doing the same thing year in and year out. Consistency. It really is consistency. Like Cooper Cup kind of was a flash for one right. year. He was good, and then he was great. And now he he's hurt. You know, it's health, it's consistency. Um, if Justin Jefferson gets fifteen hundred yards mm-hmm. in ten seasons, he'll be close. You know, he'll be two thousand yards away. And then if he can just kind of finish out his career um, like Larry Fitzgerald did, and remember Fitzgerald hung on for a long time, just kind of working as a almost a third wide receiver in that Cardinals offense. Right. Um, it's so far down the road, Ron. But you look, he's got all the pieces, the the durability. He never yeah. gets hurt. Um, he can win in so many different ways. And he seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. All of the ingredients are there. Um, but we've said that about so many receivers before. So what will make Justin Jefferson different? And I think that's what we find out in the next few years once he gets that big new contract. Well, a lot of talk about Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, 
Tua. You know what? Let's just ask Chris Carter. Because Chris Carter has some very good insight into what being a great NFL receiver is, what being a Hall of Fame NFL receiver looks like. Chris Carter's got some nuggets that I'm pretty sure he's going to drop about where Justin Jefferson falls in the echelon of the Vikings and then also the NFL. But pay attention to what he says about Adam Thielen. But if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every single game, and the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news from who's hurt to who's playing to who's on IR and who just got signed. We'll have it all for you. And like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comment section below. We love to read your comments and let, let us know what you think. And we have a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league, football, basketball, soccer, and esports, boxing, golf, you name it. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix, it's BetOnline. It's the place where you can find the Vikings-Patriots line for Sunday, and the Vikings are currently favored by an even three points in that game over under 45 and a half check it out at bet online on your laptop your mobile device bet online where the game starts well there's always somebody special on the ron johnson show and this week i'm super excited uh this is a guy that i grew up uh hearing about my dad played for the steelers so as soon as i got to minnesota as a young freshman first thing my dad said was you have to make sure at some point you connect with chris carter and over the years i've had a chance to uh meet with Chris, but we've had some some time just hanging out, just the boys, me, him, Larry Fitzgerald, some of the guys that came into town to work out, and we'll jump into that in a minute. But I got to bring Chris Carter into the Ron Johnson Show, hanging with Ron Johnson this week. We got Chris Carter, Hall of Famer, Vikings great, one of the greatest receivers in NFL history, uh, some of the best hands I've ever seen in my life. Uh, when I thought about running a curl route, a dig route, a slant, Chris Carter was the guy, like he was a guy that fit my size that I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you, and then there's some sound bites and we'll talk about that too, that, that, that Chris Carter can only explain himself. And uh, Chris, man, I wanna thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I'm gonna jump out there, man. There's a clip later in your career. I remember when I was with the Ravens, um, you know, there's some clips later in your career with the Dolphins that guys were making, you know, old man jokes. And, and one, of the, one of the best lines I've ever heard you say was, man, you better pray, get on your knees and pray that you play as long as I do. Uh, but but where where does that come from, man? Just that ability to, to no matter what somebody says, they can't rattle you during the game. Well, I think that, well, first, thanks for having me on the show. I think that um, in competition, you know, it, there's a lot of things that you can utilize as an asset. And, um, you know, football is, is very competitive very combative at some point and it becomes a, a very very verbal and not a lot of people can do it but um, i was fortunate enough that i was able to hold my own as far as the conversation um, that took place between the lines and when you look at your career i mean you know 14 almost fourteen thousand yards that's that's bananas. And, you know, the catches. And But as you're going through this, man, early in your career, uh, did you see yourself being on that that mountaintop of receivers? 
Um, I didn't. I, I was just trying to build myself into a career, trying to build myself into a well-rounded receiver, um, you know, setting really small goals, you know, wanting to be the best receiver on my team. As once I was drafted in Philadelphia, um, if you can become the best receiver on your team, you can become valuable, you can become an asset. Once I came to Minnesota and they had Steve Jordan, Anthony Carter, um, that was my number one goal was become their number one receiver there. And um, and once you're able to do things like that, then you got to change the target. Um, real potential is everything you haven't accomplished. So once you accomplish something, then changing that, um, being the best receiver in your division, best receiver in your conference means Pro Bowl, um, best receiver in the NFL, which means all pro. So constantly changing the target, it really added, you know, to my career and longevity. You got to stay healthy and you got to be able to play a long time. So I tried to keep it fresh by once I accomplished something by changing my goal of what I wanted to accomplish because it wasn't my potential anymore because I had already accomplished it. And when you look at, you know, the guys you've played with, guys you've played against, you've you've had some some ridiculous friendships, some stories. Uh, I was privy enough to sit in uh, Larry Fitzgerald's living room and, and hear some of the stories, some that don't need to ever be bought up, but uh, some that were very enlightening. And you talked about your past. I heard you, you know, we were talking about your past and just growing as a, as a man and, and, and leading and showing by example, uh, leaving one organization, coming to the next, trying to prove that, you know what, like I, I, I deserve this chance. And I heard you tell that to like guys like Larry Fitzgerald and, and Lindale White and trying to explain to those guys like, hey, you only get one shot sometimes. If you get a second one, you can't, you know, overlook it. But what did you learn from that transition, you know, leaving one spot and then coming to Minnesota? First of all, things aren't necessarily better, greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it was clear the Vikings wide receiver at the time was in love with the wide receivers they had and told me that I wasn't as good as those guys. So, um, you know, a lot of times guys want to leave organizations, um, leave colleges because they think it's going to be better. Um, yes, it can be made better, but just don't assume that it's going to be better. Um, my situation ended up working out great. Um, that coach ended up being wrong about that. And the Vikings gave me a lot of support, put a lot of the good players around me to allow me to have the type of success I was able to have. And when you, and when you look at Randy Moss, you know, 1998, he comes and takes the world by storm. But you're still doing your thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like it was just a Randy Moss show. It became, you know, three deep. But, you know, for most people, like me, you know, it was Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and it was one-two punch. Um, be, being a mentor to a guy like that, uh, you know, realizing his talent, seeing how you guys together can be great because, you know, you look at John Stallworth and uh, Lynn Swan. You look at Jerry Rice. You know, it, it's been some great duos, and you guys definitely were one of them. Uh, what was that like? you know, mentoring Randy Moss from a young age? Well, I think it happened at the perfect time in my career. Um, you know, there was a great sacrifice, um, not only by myself, but by Jake Reed um, to build, get Randy involved in the offense and get him up to speed of, you know, what his potential in the NFL was. Um, so, you know, I think at that time, if I would have been a little bit younger, I don't know if it would have worked. If I'd have been a little bit older, I don't think it would have been, would have worked, but um, you know, Randy 
really put himself in position that he could be mentored. You know, so you can't mentor anyone who's not trying to be mentored. And Randy really wanted to learn, wanted to learn the position. He wanted to dominate the NFL. And um, it just wasn't just conversation or rhetoric to him. You know, he really had the ability to be able to do it. And that was part of my responsibility and part of the legacy in the NFL and the locker room to be able to take care of younger players so they can have um, a substantial career. And so that's what, you know, we were trying to do. Um, that was my focus. And we were able to get it done. And when you look at the history of uh, Vikings football, I mean, I've had Adam Thielen on here. You know, I've talked to Reggie Wayne, Pierre Garçon's come on the show, Braylon Edwards. So, of course, I'm partial to receivers. And the conversation always comes up of, like, who's the greatest? And we're not going to get into that. Um, but I will say this. If, if you had to look at Justin Jefferson, because people, you know, originally said Stephon Diggs and then he leads Buffalo Bills. Nobody's talking about Stephon Diggs as far as Minnesota history goes anymore. When you look at Justin Jefferson, can you kind of project where you think he could end up in Vikings history? Or do you are you one of the guys that said, you know, we got to wait and see? Well, I think that what he's done is, is worth a conversation. I, I think that everyone always wants to get ahead because they don't want to be wrong. And there's nothing like watching um, something beautiful blossom grow. Um, I'm very fortunate that you know, I interacted with Justin at the NFL Combine because I'm part of the NFL Mentors Program. So he was part of my group at the Combine. And they were talking about five receivers, and they had him ranked anywhere from third to, like, seventh. And the way he moved, and once I seen his 40 time and his overall confidence, but not overzealous and, um, you know, being um, braggadocious, I, I thought he was going to be the best receiver in the class. And uh, we end up drafting him. And I think that everyone wants to, because we have such a great history, compare him in, in such a short period of time. But I do believe that um, if he fulfills his potential, if he's able to avoid injuries, if he's able to stay with the Vikings, because that's part of it too, um, you got to be able to put up unbelievable numbers to be able to get in that conversation. I believe that if, 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 if people consider me to be the greatest Viking, then my dogs are running around chasing. Then I'm just holding the crown until he finishes his career. Because, um, you know, wide receivers, there's a number of categories. But if there were four or five categories, when you look at him, in those four or five categories that the receiver's got to do, releases, catching the ball, running with the football, what he does in in-game, in how he performs, those things. He, 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 all those things, he's doing at a high level. Like he has no weakness in, in his game. So that right there would put him in the conversation. Now consistency, longevity, all those things, you know, desire to be great at the game, staying hungry at the game, putting another receiver, having quarterbacks to throw him the football, having some type of running game, all those things, you know, come into play into having a long, long, you know, career. I told the Vikings when we were in London that I would rip up his contract now. I'd sign him now to a five-year contract. You know, I'd give him $30 million now. I'd give him $150 million now. And Ooh. because it's only going to cost him more money. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I yeah, only, I said that. I, yeah. 
He's going to be, I mean, he's going to be 180, $200 million receiver if they let it go too long. And so I, I, I totally agree. You, you hit the nail on the head with the 150. But like I said, I mean, you look at Cooper Cup, you look at all these guys and what they're getting. In my opinion, Justin Jefferson, you, you hit the nail on the head. His releases, his, his willingness to go get a ball, his, his want. Not everybody wants to be great. People like being great, but everybody doesn't want to be great because there's a lot that comes with it. Um, but when you look at the list, and you talked about this in Vikings history, you got Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Anthony Carter, Adam Thielen now, Jake Reed, Sammy White, Steve Jordan, Amar Rashad, mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs, and then, of course, you got Kyle Rudolph in their top 10. Justin Jefferson's 11 already in three years. But when you look at him and Adam Thielen, of course, Adam Thielen now is fourth. He's going to have a couple more games. Who knows how many more in purple, but he's going to have a couple more games. Where do you put Adam Thielen? Because I know everybody's overlooking what Adam Thielen did because Adam Thielen did some great things with Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs leaves, leaves a sour taste in the fans' mouths. Now Justin Jefferson shows up. Everybody's happy again. Everybody's all forgiven. But Adam Thielen is almost like the forgotten child. And so where, where do you stick him in the history of Vikings uh, receivers? Well, I typically don't like to make a list as, as far as the receivers, because if, if mm -hmm. you look at different eras and everything, and if you look at, you know, from Ahmad Rashad um, in the 70s, Sammy White, right. 80s, Anthony Carter, late 80s, early 90s, and then I come to the Vikings. Um, you know, to me, I think Adam Thielen, the person I would compare him a lot to is a lot like Jake Reed, mm -hmm. you know, because Jake Reed and I had the NFL record for thousand yard um, receivers four consecutive seasons, and um, and that's a tremendous accomplishment. Yes, he is definitely underrated. Um, I'm trying to think of where I would put him, but I I, I think it becomes very very difficult. You know, to me, Anthony Carter, Steve Jordan, and Randy Moss. To me, those were the, the best receivers. I'll probably okay. say I'm on Rashad after that. Um, okay. To be in the top I like five. It. You know, so. Yeah, because I think a lot of people forget what Steve Jordan did. You know, and, and you're right. Eras are different. Times are different. Passing games are different. Um, but but let's transition into coach because you, you, you've mm -hmm. played with, around, been around some great coaches. Kevin O'Connell comes in. The defense hasn't gotten any better. So everybody that was upset with how Zim's defense was going, it's the same. They're still mm -hmm. giving up big yards, but there's something different, which is like Kirk Cousins now ordered grills. Like he's going to wear diamond grills now. He's taking his shirt off on a plane, wearing the chain. So it seems like he's more relaxed now. He's having fun with the fellas. Uh, you know, you, you got guys doing things that they wouldn't do before in the past, maybe, you know, a little bit more relaxed added atmosphere. Um, do you think that is a big difference or can help a team win some tough games when when that atmosphere is a lot more relaxed and more like a not to call it a homey type of atmosphere but it is like all the boys and every even the coaches hanging out with them so uh do you think that's one of the big issues or not sorry issues one of the big changes in this team is just kevin o'connell giving these guys a lot more freedom right well first of all there's such contrast in how they approach football mm -hmm. um so so regardless of what would whatever success or failure, um, you know, there that would always be challenged as far as comparing comparing the two because they're yeah. so drastically different. Um, but because they've had such great success, and I just think that your atmosphere at your job is important to your overall mental health. 
and the environment that you create through leadership and it's hard to be a great leader and do it through fear there's only a few people that have been able to do it and be successful at it but typically those coaches come with championship pedigrees and typically those coaches in their 60s and 70s are older than that so i think that the vikings looking at a new way to do things um you have to give them credit and the atmosphere for which they've created in the building um you have to give the staff that mean the general manager and the coach because they created that atmosphere and i'm not going to say it makes it easier to do your job Mm -hmm. but I think, to me, um, I would like to like my coach a lot more mm-hmm. than the fear. <laughs> I think totally noted. Noted. I, I think that you know we respond better on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. they do have a great environment, a great culture, uh, facilities, food, nutrition how they're trying to take care of the players. The players really don't have any excuses right? Um, because they really do give them an opportunity to be very, very good at their job on a daily basis. And another Baltimore Raven, a guy I got a lot of respect for, Shannon Sharp. He and I have gone back and forth every once in a while on Twitter. And uh, this summer, yeah. he, he came over the top rope over my head and tried to t- you know name all of these quarterbacks he would take over Kirk Cousins because he heard one of my comments about Kirk Cousins. And so... He, which I appreciate it because I love the interaction. Like, I don't think fans understand that. Like, everybody's like, oh, he, he's clowning. He's telling you exactly what you don't know about quarterbacks. I'm like, no. I'm like, it's the interaction. It's the respect. There was no disrespect in there. Um, mm-hmm. And now Shannon's backtracked because he just said it the other day. He's like, you know what? I might have I might have underestimated what Kirk Cousins could be under Kevin O'Connell. Uh, when you look at guys struggling like Russell Wilson, uh, you look at guys like Tua, who now are doing great because their coach is doing well. Um, system matters. Receiving core around you matters. Uh, when you look at Kirk Cousins now, do you feel like, because he won primetime, everybody's like, he never can put up big numbers in primetime when it matters. It mattered, close game, 300 yards. Do you think Kirk Cousins now is a guy that can actually go to an NFC Championship game and win a game and not revert back to the old Kirk Cousins people assumed he was in primetime? Well, if we get to that game, it's still a team game. Yeah. So I think that 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 we Vikings fans, the people that commentate on the Vikings, they put too much emphasis on Kirk Cousins. I've watched the games and there's 70, 80 opportunities, a game on defense to make plays. There's 70, 80 opportunities on offense um, to build and make plays. And um, the thing that I do know through Denny Green, that your best players have to play the best football and you have to expect them to play the best football. Um, guys who have marginal talent, you have to expect their results um, to be marginal. But your best players, and that means the people you're paying the highest amount of money to, they have to lead your team on and off the field. I yeah. do think that Kirk Cousins is a better leader than he has been. Um, and I think that because he's been empowered with with the new regime and how different it is, and mm-hmm. I think that Kirk has grown. Um, as a man and as a leader and understanding what it is to actually create culture in a team. And that's what they're doing on a daily basis. Um, The stuff that they're doing after the games had never been ever done before. So they're creating a culture 
that people feel very, very comfortable with being the best individual that they can be. Kirk Cousins is a different cat. Like yeah. he thinks different. The things he does off the field are very, very different. And and I can respect that. Robert Smith was the same way. Very, very different. But once we got to know him, we respected that. And he became a lot closer to everyone on the team once we had respect for who he was and what he was trying to accomplish. So that's where I think the Vikings are also. Yeah, and last one before we can jump into the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Chris gets a minute and a half to two minutes. I'll take the rest. Uh, but before we do that, one last one, Chris, man, you've got a chance to put on uh, a gold jacket. And that's, you know, that's 0.0.01% of human beings ever get to do that. And you are considered one of the best to ever do that. But when you put on that gold jacket uh, and you gave that speech, what was that moment like, like, was that like a cultivation of everything you had worked for and been through and you're like, man, I made it or, you know, what, what exactly was going through your mind in that moment? Well, I don't think um, I ever had a sense of like I made it. To me, it was more of a transition. It was kind of the culmination of of any types of awards or any types of things that, that would happen to me in my yeah. professional um, athletic career. Um, that was going to be the end of it. Um, that was the grand finale. Um, and to me, um, it also just sent a message of, you know, what type of Hall of Famer you're going to be. And, and that's a 24-hour um, job, seven days a week. So to me, it was a transition from, wow, you accomplished all these things and all these people helped you get there. Now, um, as a human being, what kind of gold jacket, how are you going to represent the other um, 350 um, 250, 357 um, Hall of Famers? So how are you going to represent them? On a daily basis, basis, that became more of my mission um, than the Hall of Fame being a final destination. Well, appreciate that, Chris. We're going to bring in Sam Extra, my producer, um, mm -hmm. and we're going to start the Daily Three. Let's do it. All right, Chris, we like to have some fun with this. I got three questions. Uh, you can take however much of the three minutes you want and then give Ron the remainder. But question number one. Justin Jefferson has been taking a lot of hits lately. He's been making a lot of contested catches. Um, and I'm curious, you two, both as former receivers, is there a play that you can remember in your careers where you took a hit and you knew you were going to take a hit, but you still made the catch and converted it, scored the touchdown, got the first down, whatever it might be? Was there a play uh, in your background that you could remember that kind of looked like that? Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a leading receiver, you're gonna get a lot of double coverage, and people are gonna know where you're at in the game plan. So it's not like you're gonna be running wide open. Um, so I would expect a lot of traffic. That's why it's important to know the coverage, know your depth, know your reads, know your hots, know where the defense is vulnerable. And um, you know, to me, I don't have really like one hit because avoiding contact is a skill too. And that's the only way you can play a long time. I do remember John Lynch hitting me one time on the sideline and almost knocking me under the bench in the Metrodome. They were in cover two. And I had made a one-hand grab on him and everything. And uh, he was pretty pissed about that. He he put a pretty good look on me about knocking me under the bench. But, you know, that that is part of it. 
Um, and this is the thing coach told me it's just as painful if you don't catch it. So you might as well go ahead and catch it. <laughs> Ron. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's one, I don't you know. It was a big moment. I, I was mic'd up for a game. I think my second year in the league and, uh, can't remember who hit me, but I only reason I remember because I was mic'd up. So I still had the footage of me. Like I couldn't catch my breath. And I was telling the quarterback, like, Hey, like, I don't know what's the next play, but I can't catch my breath. And I mean, I, he, he put his helmet. This is before rules change. He put his helmet like <laughs> right in my chest, in my stomach area. And now you can't leave with a helmet. But back then you could. And at 230 pounds, mm -hmm. most safeties were going to try to take my head off because they're like, you know, they don't want to have to deal with it after. Uh, but one I really remember, and, and it was just because it was a funny moment, like that whole game. It was Chris's alma mater, Ohio State. Uh, we were at the Horseshoe. And a guy by the name of Andy Katzenmoyer. And Andy Katzenmoyer, oh, for those who don't remember, he was a humongous human being at line at middle linebacker. And the whole week in practice, Glenn Mason was telling us, like, if you catch a slant, just get upfield. Don't, you know, don't keep scraping across because this kid has killed four people this year. And of course, as a freshman, I didn't listen. I caught it. Did you remember what number he was? 45. I'll never forget. Oh yeah. Like I'll never forget that. Like spun off of him or spun off of uh, the, the, the slot safety. And he lifted me off my feet. I think I have a picture of it somewhere, but he, my feet were in the air. My head hit the ground first on my back. Oh my, my goodness. And, and the only reason it was funny because I was fine. I came off, I was a little bit shaken up, but one of the other receivers, I think they were freshmen. They like screamed over to the equipment staff, like, yo, I need, I need rib cages. Cause after that hit, they were like, I'm not going out there without rib cages. And like, for me, <laughs> I, I, I was glad I got hit like that. Cause that was my freshman year early. So after that, I was like, there can't be anything worse than this. That had to be the, I mean, he was like 260 playing middle linebacker yeah. and ran like a four or five. I mean, he was a freak of nature. Oh, that's insane. Uh, question number two, guys, I'm going to give you a, a number. 22,895. That is the NFL all-time yardage record held by Jerry Rice, and he's about 5,000 clear of the number two guy. Uh, Chris, will that record ever be touched by an NFL wide receiver? No. No. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you guys a um, – a lot of times when I'm speaking to rookies, the rookie symposium, I'll <laughs> – because guys don't understand how big the numbers are. Um, just for you, Sam, I'll give you an NFL career, and you're going to play 12 years. You're going to be a, a star, Sam. You're going to be a star, all right? You're going to have mm – -hmm. listen to these numbers, Sam. You're going to have – you're going to play 12 seasons. All right. You're not going to get hurt one bit. You're gonna you're gonna have seven two thousand yard seasons, Sam, and you're gonna have five fifteen hundred yard seasons, Sam, and you're gonna wow. score ten touchdowns every year, Sam. And and guess what, Sam? Guess what's gonna happen at the end? You're gonna have twenty one thousand fifty yards and only one hundred twenty <laughs> touchdowns. Now the problem with that is. You had a hell of a career. And and not only did you finish second to Jerry Rice in yardage, you still didn't pass Chris Carter's 130 touchdowns, so you got 120. <laughs> oh. It just lets you know how stupid them numbers are, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
I bet I drive a nice car, though. I bet. That's, I mean, when you put it into context like that, like, because the questions have come up, is Justin Jefferson going to even get close to 2,000 yards this year? Right now, he's on pace for like 2,002 yards. He would have to do that for 10 seasons. Like, that's crazy. Like, that is, that's amazing. People don't know what they're talking about when they start talking about stuff like that. They were saying stuff like that with Cooper Cup last year. And what Cooper Cup's hurt. Like, so, no. No, I I agree with that. I was going to say no, too. I just just think for the simple fact of, of what Jerry did, uh, how hard, like Chris brought up, how hard that is to even get a thousand yards. Like to get a thousand, you can get a thousand yards. You have to do that for twenty years, twenty years to get a thousand yards a season, which would be a great career. And like you said, you still would not be better than Jerry Rice. And I mean, that's crazy. Like that is that's that's just a dumb number, twenty-two thousand. Like that's that is dumb. I was gonna say a bonus one because the clock's about to run out before we get into the third question, Chris. I was gonna ask you. What what did you think about Ohio State Michigan? Because I, I forgot to ask you about that one. Like that's two years in a row. They're supposed to be the, the best team on the field, can, and they can't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's um to me, Ohio State doesn't have the physicality of the Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. And yeah. okay. the last two years, they haven't been on the massive physicality of Michigan. Um, so they're very, very. I wouldn't say they're a finesse team, but. Right. With their top two running backs not being healthy, they couldn't be as yeah. physical as you'd like them to be able to be. And given the size um, and the potential pro prospects they have on the front line, um, you know, to me, um, that's the that's the differences in those games. The program, the skill guys are so much more talented at Ohio State, quarterback, wide receiver. Um, Michigan's got a couple of very good running backs and everything, but the games are played on the field. So, yeah. no excuses by me. They played a horrible fourth quarter at home and 6,000 there. Um, Michigan hadn't won there in, in over 20 years. So, um, Ohio State's going to have to eat that one and, and regroup. But the fact of the matter is they did lose that game, but also the fact they only lost two games in two years. Yeah, so no, true. They got a great program. Um, it's up to them to be able to figure it out. I'm sure they will. They still got a lot of talented players. Um, coming back, and there's still a chance that they could get into the playoff. True, correct, and because a lot of teams still got to play. Yeah. No, I grew up. I grew up watching that game just being from Detroit. So I remember the Charles mm-hmm. Woodson, David Boston's. I remember you. I remember Eddie George. I actually got to visit Ohio State. One of my recruiting visits was uh, Eddie George. They were playing Washington. So I mean, like I have Joey Galloway. So yeah, no, I've I've definitely mm-hmm. always, no matter even if I went to University of Minnesota, I still watch that game because that that I grew mm-hmm. up on that. So I love. I love that game. And my cousin, Makari Page, is there. So he got the interception at the end and got to wear the buffs at Michigan. So I know he was excited for that. But, no, I just had to ask you because Charles Woodson no, no. reached out to me about it. Cato, I got Cato June coming on, former Michigan safety. So, you know, those guys are excited to talk about Michigan. <laughs> so I had to, I had to ask you yeah, about that one. Be. So what you All got, right, Sam? I got last one more one? question. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm asking this because you both played – your home games in the Metrodome in the same era, but you did it for different teams. Ron, you did it for a college program for the Gophers. Chris, you did it for the Vikings. And I'm curious what your lasting memories are of that venue as your home stadium. So, Chris, we'll let you go first. Well, for me, I was very comfortable in the Dome. My first um, two college touchdowns came in the Metrodome against the Gophers. Uh, We ran a little slot read route 
I had the, the linebacker, we went slot formation and they had the strong safety um, lined up on me. So I remember scoring in the dome, my first college touchdown as a freshman. Um, and then I was very, very comfortable in the dome because I wore basketball shoes playing a lot because I love basketball and the turf and everything. It just felt so comfortable um, for me to be able to run on and to be able to land on. So I had just great, great memories. Um, but besides how comfortable the field was, was just the overall energy. Like um, even if your body was aching, when you came out of that tunnel and you saw that crowd and everything, it was like, oh my God, man, this is amazing. I'm, 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 even if you weren't ready, that helped you get ready. And then as you went through the game, it helped maintain that energy for over three hours. So that that's um, probably the energy is probably my fondest memory of the Metrodome. Yeah. Ron? Yeah, I'd say um, energy for college was a little bit different. It was a huge stadium. We, we didn't fill it up unless it was a big game. So uh, mine would be like Iowa. Iowa-Wisconsin games, no matter what, because both sides fans would, would travel. Um, but I, I do remember Iowa uh, specifically just because of uh, the atmosphere, the crowd. We, we needed to beat them because we hadn't beaten them in a while. Um, and then the next three years, of course, we ended up beating them. Uh, but it was just a huge game. And I remember catching two touchdowns. And I think that was one of the very first games that replay was used that should have been. Uh, I, I caught a ball, bobbled it, but did kick one foot down. Uh, and the refs, because the paper ended up put, taking a picture of the, of the refs looking up at the screen, because eventually they came back after like talking for a minute and said touchdown. And Iowa fans were livid because they were saying the ref shouldn't everybody use the Metrodome screen. And the Metrodome guy was great. He kept replaying it over and over and over again <laughs> just so the refs would see that they missed the call. So that is a memory because I remember the Iowa fans like being pissed off, like upset, you know, sending letters to Glenn Mason saying, you know, you cheated. They shouldn't have been able to use the screen. It's whatever he calls. So that's actually one of the memories was that that huge screen. Uh, and then the turf, like, like the one thing about that turf, it was comfortable. We did get to wear whatever shoes we wanted, gym shoes wise or turf shoes. Uh, but I remember having to learn because coming from Detroit, it was all the grass having to learn how to fall. Like that was another memory, because if you fell wrong, your entire arm is going to be missing mm -hmm. skin for about two, three weeks. And so like learning how to fall on turf was just as important as running the routes mm -hmm. on it. But no, has some, has some great memories there. And I actually remember going to the Metrodome as a college kid and seeing Chris play because Tony Dungy uh, was with the Buccaneers and he invited me out as the Buccaneers coach to be on their sideline because I was a huge Keyshawn Johnson fan as well. And uh, so I got to, you know, go to the team hotel with Tony. Tony and my dad played together with the Steelers, but got to go to the team hotel, got to hang out with, with the guys at dinner. Um, and, and I do remember that. Like, I remember being there watching like Grammatica being the weirdest thing I've ever seen as a kicker, taking his socks off like after every kick. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong with this dude? And uh, I just saw Keyshawn and him look over like, man, kickers are weird. And that, and literally that was like my introduction to like pro kickers, like doing their little things to, you know, make sure they, they're superstitious. But no, I, I've seen tons of Chris Carter, you know, film and Randy Moss. And I guess one day I remember, I remember committing to Minnesota in 98, my dad telling me like, there's a guy, Chris Carter, you got to make sure you, you watch. And uh, yeah, he lived up to it. He lived up to everything. Everybody talked about Mel Blunt. My godfather talked about, you know, Randy and Chris. And uh, so, yeah, no, they and that was the one thing Mel Blunt would always say, though. He was like at six, four, he said he would have loved to guard like you and Randy Moss because he felt like there were no six, four corners that you guys had to deal with on the daily. And the big difference, he would always tell me this. They could punch receivers in the head. 
back in the 70s. And so I think that changed <laughs> in like the 90s. But he was saying his ability to be able to punch a receiver dizzy, uh, that would have changed. Because uh, everybody talked about Randy Moss. I don't care how old, what corner, what safety. Everybody talked about Randy Moss and Chris Carter because you guys put up some ridiculous numbers, man. But I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank pleasure. everybody to continue to listen, download. Uh, please make sure you go back and watch the very beginning, this Hang With Ron Johnson segment if you have not watched it. Uh, please make sure you like, subscribe. Also, you can download the Roku and the Amazon Fire app. There's a Locked On Minnesota app. You can find all of our shows, all of our content, all of our videos. I want to thank you and have a great day.